The Lord's directed my heart to another passage, which is going to be very brief because I don't want to preach. I want to do. I want to lead you. When the church was very small, not as small as when we first came, when my wife and I first came, there was less than 15 people on a Sunday. It began to grow a little bit, and then I don't want to go into all the details, but on a boat down in Florida trying to recover from pneumonia, I had no insurance, I had no money, I didn't have a doctor. I made $3,800 the first year that I was in the ministry here at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, so I had to get a second job, and all of it was wearing me down. Had little kids, my wife had a second job. So on that boat, I had a very, very awesome experience with God where He drew very near to me and spoke to me in an unmistakable way, and I don't say that lightly. It's a very special moment in my life, and the main thing he said to me as I was searching for answers and how to better pastor, how to lead the people, or what to do, the Lord impressed upon me deeply that if my wife and I would just lead the people to pray, he would take care of every sermon I needed, which I was very insecure about. My sermons were very bad, I fell asleep while I was preaching back in those days. He would supply all the money that the church or my wife and I would need, and there would never be a building large enough to contain all the people that he would send in if we just led the people to call to God to pray. This is why I stress to you, I, I'm, I felt um, kind of like a a trigger warning in my own heart that I need to remind you about what I'm going to read to you and why we mentioned the Tuesday night prayer meeting as the barometer of the church, the engine that drives the church, because this is everything to me. But it shouldn't be just for me. In fact, I'm not odd among ministers, although some think because we have a largely attended prayer meeting or that we even have a prayer meeting. I'm not the odd one. It's the ones who don't that are odd. Because Jesus said, my house shall be called not a house of preaching, not a house of singing. And those are important things. But what did he say? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And this speaks also to this main dilemma that we have in America. I want to speak briefly, so I want to just get to this passage, but I want to say this. Right now, the main problem around the world, but especially in America, it's not so much in China. I've been with the leaders there in mainland China, which has a church growing faster. Christians are multiplying faster there than any place else in the world, even though in some certain provinces it's a punishable offense. They're not succumbing to the dilemma we have, which is the total separation and disconnect between head knowledge and heart experience. Christianity, if you're not careful, can become a head trip. And all you do is hear sermon after sermon with more information about this one and the life of David and Jesus and he rose again and you fill all your head with information and sermons become lecture series and then the meeting ends and then you go home and your heart never makes contact with God. Nothing supernatural enters your life. There's no change inside around you in the areas of need that you and I have. 
it becomes very heady, and then churches which are that way then stress, but we have sound doctrine. Well, I'm all for sound doctrine, but the letter kills, only the spirit gives life. You can have sound doctrine and be deader than a doornail, because God is not a doctrine, God is a person. How many say amen to that? God is a person who seeks communion with the people he loves. Like if you love someone, you want to be with them. Well, what do you think God is any different? We have changed the Christian religion and changed the basic premise of all religion, which began back in the Old Testament, by an aversion to communion with God because it's too emotional, it's too spooky, it looks like fanaticism, it's this or that. But those are all just tricks that the enemy has played on pastors and churches. It's just two songs, the offering, choir song, and then the preaching, and then you tie it up and you go home and you do it again next week. And if someone says, how are you doing with your walk with the Lord? You said, yeah, I was in church on Sunday, as if going to church on Sunday means something. It doesn't mean anything. You can go to church and just be totally cold and lost. Am I correct or not correct? I want to talk to you about posture, because spiritual posture is so important, and there's few of us that learn the secrets of proper spiritual posture. Let's look at our verse, which is found in Psalm 123. I lift my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till or until he shows us his mercy. Look at that again. I lift up my eyes to you, to you who sit enthroned in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master for what they need for their supply, as the eyes of a female slave look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God till he shows us his mercy. You know, you talk to someone who's a, personal trainer, someone who knows a lot about the body and all that, and they'll tell you there's a proper way to sit, which is best for your body, best for your back. There's other ways to sit, and it's not good for you. If you sit that way for a long time, you feel it afterwards. Am I correct? Everything has a posture, has a right way to do it, and then there's a wrong way. And you pay if you do it the wrong way. When you play basketball, they're having the final four the March Madness is going on, which has gone into April now. So when you defend a player, that's the first thing you learn. When that was my life in high school and college, was playing ball all city, then a scholarship, full scholarship to play ball, and played in the March Madness way back when. First thing you learn in the first day of practice, the coach throws the ball away. A lot of good coaches did it. One at the Naval Academy where I started. Didn't end there, but had no basketball out there, and we wanted a basketball. He said, no, we're going to learn how to defend. You know, you guard a guy. You try to stop him from scoring. So how do you guard him? Well, he's there. So what do you just, like, stand there, and when he runs, you go, no, 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 no. The coach says, okay, one foot a little ahead of the other, and you get down. You can't lean forward, or he'll go by you. You can't be back on your heels, or he'll shoot. You won't be able to react. So you get down proper, Get your backside down, and you'll be able to shift and move, and that's the way you do it. And oh, for hours, 
At night, you would feel it in your hamstrings, your thighs, because it was proper defense, and a hand up, and here, and you shift back, and you move forward. You can't go like this, and you can't go like that. And you watch any basketball game, it's, there's a way to do it, there's a wrong way to do it. Same with shooting and all of that. Well, the most important is spiritual posture. And there you see something that's from Genesis to Revelation. I lift up my eyes to you, O Lord. Now, the psalmist there is under pressure. They guess the experts that this psalm might have been written around the time of Nehemiah when they had come back from captivity and they were trying to rebuild Jerusalem. But it was hard. Enemies, Samaritans, fighting with them, discouragements everywhere. And when you're at the end of yourself and you don't know what to do and you can't take it anymore, over and over again, from the beginning of the Bible to the end, you see this spiritual posture. See, lifting up your eyes has nothing to do with physical eyes. It doesn't mean this. It means your heart. It means your soul is lifted up and you're expecting now from God. You're looking to God. See, when you have faith, when you're walking by faith, your heart is always looking up. God is my answer. God is my supply. Only God can see me through today. Emergency or not, my eyes are on you, God. You're going to help me today. With that troublesome person I work with, with that wayward child who's so rebellious, I can't do it. But God, my posture is, to you I lift up my eyes. I'm looking up my eyes too. That's another way to talk about what is prayer. Prayer has nothing to do with words. It's good to say words, but if you don't have an uplifted heart and soul that says, God, I look to you and only you. I look to you. You're the only one who can help me. If you don't have that, then you never pray. Because the essence of prayer is not the words. A tear is a prayer. A sigh is a prayer. Don't you know that when you're just in God's presence and you go, that's a prayer. God understands all of that. Like someone wrote years ago, tears are a language he understands. Because when your soul is lifted up to God and you can't take it anymore, and he's your only provider and you realize that, you'll find this throughout scripture. I lift up my eyes to you. A couple of psalms earlier, there's a psalm that a lot of you know. I lift up my eyes to the hills from whence. But the hills don't give any help. A hill is a hill. What that is a poetic language for is I'm looking up and I'm looking away from myself and I'm looking up to you, God. This is the posture of blessing. Do you want to be blessed today? Because I'm almost done talking. Do you want to receive a miracle that you need in your own life? You're looking at a man who was backed up against the wall. I could give you a thousand stories, but representing just his church, I was told I needed $6 million. And I went away for 10 days to South America. We need $6 million or this building wouldn't have been done. Even though someone was going to lend us millions of dollars. They had made a miscalculation and they said you need six. Six million, not 6,000. Six million. Look around you. We don't have a lot of millionaires here. In fact, look around. If you find one, bring them up to me at the end of the meeting. And I had to lift my eyes up. In Argentina, in a city called Mar del Plata, on a three, four-hour prayer walk, 
not claiming territory just to get away from people so I could lift, get proper posture because I had no one but God. And when I came back within 10 minutes, I opened two letters, one a million dollar gift and the other a five million dollar gift and they didn't know that's what we needed. Come on, is God not the God of the supernatural? So every time I hear you singing in this building, I'm reminded that God made this building possible for us, strategically located. We got it before 9-11, before the resurgence, renaissance in downtown Brooklyn, with all the good subways and trains and bus lines stopping near here. This is a miracle, but you've had your miracles from God, haven't you? How many have had God come through? I mean, it might not have been the six million, but sometimes 6,000 is the same as six million. The psalmist says, and by the way, he changes it to a national prayers. Our eyes, we wait, we wait for you until you show your mercy. Lift up our eyes from what? I lift up my eyes to you. Well, where were your eyes before that? What was your posture before that? I'll tell you the three that I know about. First of all, some of you, like myself in the past, you're looking inward. You're thinking that you're the answer. You're going to find a way to get through this. And until you get rid of that, you'll never be able to lift your eyes up to God. I'm talking about your soul now, your heart. If you have confidence in yourself, you're going to have, but haven't you tried and don't, haven't you found out you don't have what it takes? Haven't you found that out yet? Hasn't enough happened in our lives that we shouldn't humble ourselves and say, God, we lift up our eyes to you? We lift up our eyes too. I look away from Jim Simbla. Jim Simbola is hopeless. He cannot provide the answer to what I'm facing with that child, family, finances, attack of the enemy, discouragement, secret depression, temptation that you can't seem to get away from, breaking off a relationship you know is not right. You don't have the strength to do that. You gotta lift up your eyes to God who sits on a throne, the almighty one, who spoke everything into existence. You think your problem is too hard for him? That's why the psalmist is always saying this, because we have a tendency many times to look in. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do it. You can't. You got to tell yourself, I can't do this. God, I need you. But sometimes we're not looking inward. We're looking horizontal. We're looking at family and friends. Oh, they'll help me. Oh, my Uncle Harry, he's going to give me some money or this or that. I'll get out. I'll get help from this one or a counselor. May I go further? A pastor or the Brooklyn Tabernacle. It all can become a dead end. The Bible doesn't say lift up your eyes to a church or a minister. No, lift up your eyes to Almighty God. That's why Jesus came, so that we could access God. He died on the cross, shed his blood for our sins, so that we could come boldly, listen, to the throne of grace, to receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Hebrews 4, verse 16. So some of you need to be told, the answer is not coming from your boss. That raise that you're hoping for, that's not the answer. Because no matter how big the raise is, sometimes the problem is bigger than the raise. And then worse, not looking horizontally, sometimes we have to lift up our eyes from looking down. You know what looking down means? That's give up time. Maybe you're here today and God laid this little word of encouragement, hopefully, for today. It's just for you because you're just at the end. You know, I've had my eyes just almost so just going to give up, down. No hope, no way, no way. So now I'm not looking inward. I've given up on myself. I realize friends can't help me. 
Then our eyes go down. Then you just get up. You get cynical. You get cynical. You get cynical about God, about religion. Oh, this guy's testifying about $6 million. That's so hokey. That's so melodramatic. Well, it's between God and me and many people who know how it happened. God is faithful. God does come through. So you don't look down. What does the verse say? I lift up my eyes. I lift up my heart. God, only you. See, this is the thing about God. This is the essence of the Old and the New Testament. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek. If you look to God and ask for help, do you think God who gave us Jesus when we didn't even ask for him, you think you're gonna come with your problem today and he won't help you? Have you lost your mind? Listen, God is faithful. God is loving. He would never turn us away. I have that confidence in me today. I want to encourage you with the faith he's given me. There's no way, Jose, that you're going to come to God and say, God, I, take, I lift my eyes up to you. God, you're the only one that can help me in my situation. And God's going to sit up there and say, no, never, never. I was just reading the other day, the amazing thing, King Ahab, the wickedest king in the whole history of the northern kingdom of Israel. And Ahab was so bad, and you know about his wife Jezebel and all of that. And then he does something so evil that God just says, no, the prophet, go tell him, judgment's coming on him. And it affects Ahab, wicked as he was. And he humbles himself, and he goes about meekly, and he looks to God, and he says, God, please, I'm sorry, right? And then God visits the prophet and says, go back and tell Ahab. It won't happen while he's alive. It'll come in the next generation because look at him. He's looking to me. He lifted his eyes up to me. Anyone who lifts their eyes up to me, I have to help them because my ear is always open to their cry. You got to know that, brothers and sisters. And you got to keep looking and keep praying until his, remember what the verse says, until he shows mercy. What does that mean? That when you start, the answer doesn't come sometimes in five seconds or five days. Join with us on Tuesday. I'm coming in here early at six o'clock. I'll pray with whoever's on that line and I'll have other pastors and deacons help me. Because if we don't pray together, then why be Christians? If God doesn't answer prayer, then burn that book. Then nothing's true. If it's all going to be lecture and you get more information, for what? If it doesn't bring you to have fellowship with God, if you don't go to God and get answers, what are we doing this for? Christ is alive. Christ is alive. Can we all say that? Christ is alive. But it's so easy to go every place else but to him. Close your eyes with me. If you're here today, and you just say, Pastor, that was for me. It wasn't much of a sermon, but it was enough. Just Psalm 123. I want to lift up my soul to God because what I'm facing, I'm tired of looking inward. I'm tired of looking at friends to help me, even though they love me, my family. I don't want to look down and give up. Then that's the end. You give up, lose faith. But I need God big time to intervene. You needed him for six million and it was time sensitive. I need him in a way that he knows. He and I know how I need him. I need him to intervene in my life. No just Bible stories about what he did for Noah and Jonah. I need him in my life. 
I need him to intervene and supply from me. Not just feeding the multitude, the bread and the fishes. I need him now, 2,000 years later. I need Jesus to do what only he can do. And I want to lift my soul up to God today. If you're facing something, you're Christian, non-Christian, I don't care wherever you are. You need something like this is cool water to you. These verses are like cool water. They're refreshing. You have a need. Maybe together with your husband, with your wife, you want to get up and come. Come. I don't care if two of you come or 2,000 come, but just get up out of your seat right now and come. I got something that I want to bring to God today because I need him. I need him. I need him. I'm a Christian, but oh, do I need God. I got a situation that I am lifting up my soul and my eyes are going to go on God. Listen, as a servant's eyes look to the hand of the master because that was the only way he could get any money, any anything. It had to come from his master. Same way with the female servant. As her eyes are on her mistress. So my eyes are on you. My eyes are on you, God. God, you got to come through. You got to come through for me, God. Anybody else here just have a situation that you need God's help in? Get out of your seat and come up. We lift up our eyes to you, God. Not trusting in ourselves, not trusting in people. There is no plan B. Our eyes are on you. You're the one who gave us salvation. You gave us your son. You gave us forgiveness of sin. You gave us eternal life as Christians. You gave us the promise to spend eternity with you. You've given us everything we have. Whatever money we have, clothes we have, it all comes from you. But now, God, you see the the situations these folks are in. We're going to wait till you show mercy. But our eyes are not going off of you. You are going to come through. You're going to come through, for we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask that your name might be glorified through this answer you're going to give my friends. We're asking now for specific answers in every one of these situations. I'm asking God, I lift my voice in Jesus' name. Give specific answers to everyone who calls on you here with sincerity. We're not going to worry about it now. We're going to keep looking at you, praising you, seeking you, bringing our requests to you, and God, we will not let you go until you show us mercy and give us the answer. And we are thankful that you love us and that you are a faithful God. And thank you for the privilege that we can lift our souls to you. We thank you for all of these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone say, in Jesus' name. Let's put our hands together as we say the amen. I want you to hug one another. Come on, shake hands, hug one another. The Lord be with you.